This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, the plan, you know, like all the rookies, I mean, these these guys, they've got so much to learn. It's, it's such a different game. they got to learn new terminology. they got to get to know all the other players on the team. Uh, they got to get there to know their fellow rookies. Uh, you know, there's, uh, so there's a lot that goes into, you know, that, that first year uh, as a rookie as well as obviously going out there and playing. Uh, so we try to take it one day at a time. I think, you know, nothing's going to happen all at once. You know, I don't think you just jump in there and you're ready to go. Um, you got to do a good job of meetings. Um, when we get to that, you know, which right now we'll be in virtual meetings uh, when we start with the rookies on May 11. That is Brian Flores, the Miami Dolphins head coach, who I think you got to feel good if you're in South Florida, if you're a Finns fan, about Flores, what he did the second half of last year, and now you're starting to add some talent uh, on the defensive end with the money they spent in the draft uh, offensively and the quarterback situation. Uh, you know, the kid from Auburn, we were wondering about it, but he'll play that nickel corner for them. And they are really solid, obviously, yeah. uh, in their secondary. So if you if you like the Miami Dolphins, things are starting to look up a little bit. And the fact that Tom Brady is out of the division, that helps, too. Of course. All right. We have so many bets going on. So we bring in a guy from Las Vegas. Yep. Guy from ESPN, Jason Fitz. First take, your take. He joins us right now on Action Sports well, Jacks on ESPN 690. Ask him, ask him the biggest bet we have so far. I, I am going to okay, ask him please, right I, now. I want to hear his opinion. We'll, we'll get to the other stuff. By the yep. way, we ripped the segment right off your show today, so we'll carry that over. Uh, thanks for producing our, our show this afternoon, Jason. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, somebody just said I need to take a, a P test because I called the Cleveland Browns offense elite. Yep. What? Why you not? Said, you said the E word. I don't know, man. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., and Nick Chubb, who's like top three. Austin Hooper, free agent. David Joku. Why not? Why aren't those guys elite? Hey, Brent. Help me out here, hey, Vince. Baker Mayfield. Oh, go ahead, Vince. Sorry. Last time I checked, Baker Mayfield has proven that he is elite when he's got the right coaching around him. I mean, Freddie Kitchens was a liability last year. And here's the thing for me like, I keep looking at the Browns. And thinking last year at this time, I was the one that was saying, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. And maybe I'm just too much of a contrarian on this. But it just, no proof of concept with Freddie Kitchens. It just felt wrong. Now, you know, at this point, we got to look at it and say, okay, we're not even sure Baker's the guy. But we have seen Baker do great things. They get a better, uh, Jack, Jack Conklin's going to be a better answer for him on the offensive line. They got the weapons. They, they should be elite. Freddie Kitchens just blew it last year. So, do they think we're going to blow it two years in a row for the Browns? I, I man, I, that's tough for me to see. I think that Baker can play. I don't, you know, I'm not going to call him a Hall of Famer, but I think he can play. I think offense is going to put up a bunch of points. I, I'm higher on the Browns this year than most people. All right, see, so yeah, okay. I can hold that P test, but we've got another one for you. That, that was the appetizer. That was. Right, this is the this is the main meal. This is the entree. Hit him with it, Brent. Simply put, who will have a more productive offense in 2020? The Atlanta Falcons. Or the Arizona Cardinals? Oh. Um, all right. So I believe in Matt Ryan more than I be, believe in yeah. Kyler Murray still. So this I'm going to go. With, man, no, so this is the way That's how Brent No, because Brent Brent's like, the Atlanta Falcons? <laughs> Or the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> you you mean the delivery game of the way. Brad, you, you always do it. You do it on Twitter for the polls, and you do it when I guess who you go, the Atlanta Falcons or those Arizona Cardinals. So it, it is okay, what it so is, just, just, just hear me out on this, so I'll say this. With, with the fa- – uh, I'm sorry, with the, with the Cardinals, the, the biggest concern for me is, look, I, I'm, Kyler Murray was better than I thought it would be year one. I'll give him a lot of credit for that. 
I just wonder when everybody's had a year to sit back and look at, at Cliff Kingsbury, who, you know, I've talked to a couple of people around the Cardinals. They'll tell you he did a magnificent job throughout the course of the year of adjusting his game planning, adjusting his offense, and really figuring him, finding a rhythm. So I'll give him a lot of credit for that. But now everybody's had the offseason to look back and figure out what to do against Kyler Murray and what to do against Cliff Kingsbury. So even though they add I just an elite weapon, uh, obviously with DeAndre Hopkins, I, I still don't know – what that offense is going to be when everybody's had some time to game plan it. So I'm a little, I'm a little cautious. You know, you guys know me. I'm risk averse <laughs> at this point. So a little less risk with Matt Ryan. I'm just going to say this, man. I saw Kingsbury's house, okay? And people with houses <laughs> like that, Brent, they don't lose. People with houses like that, whether it's Tony Stark and Iron Man, whoever else it is, they're always successful. The guy's so still the, trying to get the 500. So, so with that being said, <laughs> good luck with Todd Gurley and that gimpy leg in Atlanta because I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals all day. Oh, man. Now, you're not wrong about the fact that you don't get a house like that unless you are just a winner. Like, there's something about you're better than everybody at everything when you have that house. Like, I'm not even going to dispute that for a second. And whatever Cliff Kingsbury is doing, I mean, if, if I could just stay in the house for a week, I, I, you know, add myself to that staff, you know, for free just to be able to stay in that house for a week. Jason, he had the fireplace outside rolling with nobody outside in the middle of Arizona. I mean, just hundred bucks an hour, hundred bucks an hour, hundred bucks an hour, just wasting that propane because you know why, Brent? He's a winner, and the guy has great offenses. I can't wait to see the Cardinals this year. Unbelievable. It's also Arizona. Like, why do you ever need a fire pit in Arizona? Because like, you're a winner. God, I mean, because you're a winner. Uh, that's fair. Jason Fitz with us from ESPN. First take your take one to three on ESPN 690. Hope you caught the show uh, earlier today. I did on my way in, and uh, I'm going to steal a topic of yours from who are, who's the early favorite for the Super Bowl matchup. I liked uh, what you were doing there, so maybe we'll give you ours uh, as well just to jump in and piggyback on your conversation. But I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your team, the Raiders, uh, did you like what they did in the draft? And I think people here in Jacksonville would have liked if they did what the Raiders did to kind of put more on offense and around uh, Gardner Minshew. Well, I, yes. So let me say this. I was doing a night one live, and we were doing some digital clips that were going up with me and Mina Kimes and Dominic Foxworth and Mike Golick Jr. Field Yates. None of them like Henry Ruggs as the first receiver off the board. But I would argue that if you, you know, if you read any of the guys that follow the team, it had been made pretty apparent that that's who Gruden loves. So Gruden gets his weapon. We'll find out quickly if he was right because Jerry Judy, who to me was the best wide receiver on the board, goes to the Broncos. So twice a year we're going to have the conversation of if the Raiders got it right. You know, the, the corner is a little bit of a, a reach for them in my mind, but the other side of it is, and this is what I think everybody's reminder needs to be, you don't just magically trade down in the draft. It takes the ability to trade up in the draft. And uh, several reports out of out of Vegas were that they were aggressive in trying to trade down from 19 and couldn't find a trade partner. So they took the fourth corner on their board because he was the best corner available still to them for their style of play. So, you know, I, I think the couple of big takeaways for their draft is, number one, we have to remember that system matters, and Austin knows that as well as anybody, right? Like, at some point, coaches and, and GMs know what the systems are they're going to run, so they got guys they like. But the other side of it is John Gruden really interestingly to me in an interview after the draft said that he intends to be able to one game go five wide and the next game go three tight ends and two running backs. He wants to be so versatile that he can do whatever he wants week to week and you can't game plan against him. Uh-huh. If he can actually pull that off, that's a $10 million coach, and we haven't seen him earn that $10 million yet. That would be an epic move. 
I mean, think about what they did. If, if folks uh, aren't following the Raiders, uh, which I would I would understand if you're not, but uh, their offensive line already they've invested in before with Incognito and Hudson, and they've got Gabe Jackson. Uh, but last year they took Hunter Renfro. Uh, they obviously still have Derek Carr, and it's a mystery whether they really love Derek Carr or not. But Darren Waller had a great year last year. They add Jason Witten. Who knows what he's got left in the tank? Josh Jacobs coming off a nice season. He'll go into year two, and they add Henry Ruggs. They add Brian. Brian Edwards, the receiver from South Carolina, might need a little time to mend a little bit more. But then they also get the Lynn Bowden kid uh, out of Kentucky who could be a fun piece for uh, for uh, John Gruden. I, I just think overall the idea, whether it works or not, but I think this is what people love coming out of the draft, the mm-hmm. idea, the concept. And here in Jacksonville, I think people were scratching their heads a little bit, Jason, just because like, OK, what are you going to do to help Gardner out? What are you going to do? Well, Chenault, good. OK, that's good in the second round. And then it took until about round five to find another weapon, and that was a 6'6 kid, Colin Johnson, out of Texas. So I would say from a fan standpoint, people buy into what the Raiders did so much more than maybe what they did here in Jacksonville. Well, because what's the identity? And, and let me say this. LaVisca Chanel is, is, has the potential to be great to me. And, uh, you know, going, coming into the year, a lot of people had him projected as a top half of the first draft sort of wide receiver. He battles some injury, and from that point on, it never really gets on track. So I love the Chenault pick. And C.J. Henderson is a corner that a lot of people had going to uh, had going to, to the Raiders should he have still been on the, the clock. And Chazon is somebody that has great potential to get after the quarterback. So I think there are some takeaways there that could be good. I'm just not sure you walk away from it feeling like you have a better sense of the identity of the football team. Like, how are the Jags defined right now? And for so long, they were defined by this killer defense that you were going to be lucky to score on. And then they became sort of defined by their dysfunction. Now, what is the identity of the Jacksonville Jaguars? And and without knowing that, it makes it really hard to buy into what they're trying to accomplish. Jason, and you know that this drives Brent absolutely crazy. I'm the last guy to ever give teams, you know, a grade when it comes to the draft, right? Because I actually have to see the players on the field to know if those, you know, if those picks panned out or not. Now, I can grade on the standpoint of did you address the holes? Did you fill those needs? And in terms of that, I mean, to me, the one team that I think gets an F overall um, of the NFL draft is the Green Bay Packers because they didn't really address the wide receiver situation at all. And number one, they take in the first round a backup essentially for Aaron Rodgers. How do you like the Jordan Love pick for the Green Bay Packers? And how do you like how the Green Bay Packers really just went on in the draft, not really giving Aaron Rodgers a lot of you know tools at his disposal, especially when he's on the back nine of his career? Yeah, I, I think there. I couldn't hate a draft more than I hated what the Packers did. And there are so many reasons. Number one, I don't believe Jordan Love is an NFL starting quarterback. Now, the other side of it is even if, okay, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Sure, Matt LaFleur now is your second-year head coach that has just traded up to take a quarterback in the first round, which means the organization has hitched their wagon to Matt LaFleur the long term because you don't let a quarterback go in the first round to a new coach unless you believe that they're going to be linked together. So now a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers that has had his public issues with a coach in the past has a coach that he doesn't feel like believes in him. I mean, this is this is a worst-case scenario, and everybody keeps saying, well, Rodgers should go in and demand a trade. Remember, if Aaron Rodgers demands a trade and they give it to him right now, it's $51 million in dead cap space this year for the Packers. So he ain't going anywhere. So now you're going to have this weird moment where Aaron Rodgers is stuck with the Packers. They didn't get better. The rest of the NFC did get better. They didn't get more playmakers today. 
and they bank on the future when the, that's the one thing you can't do in the NFL is bank on where you're going to be three years from now because the league changes so fast. So I hate everything about what they did with that pick. All right. Uh, this uh, this is where you were going at the end of your show today. On first take, your take one to three on ESPN 690. Super Bowl predictions, way too early predictions. Austin, you got anything or you want me to go first? You can go first. This is really hard to do in the AFC. I know my NFC team. I, oh, I know you do. I, I've got the Saints in the NFC. I know you do. I've got the Saints winning it all. I know I've you do. I've got them at 13-1. to 1. Now I've got to change my team. Okay. Now, yep. now you don't have to. You don't have no, to it's, it's fine, man. But how do you not? It's wide open outside of the Baltimore and Kansas City, and I'm not picking Kansas City to go back to the Super Bowl. So I want to take Baltimore, but I also want to take a sleeper team instead. Mm-hmm. Here's going to be my sleeper team. I'm not going with what everybody else is going to do. Are you going to circle the wagons? Nope. Mm. No way I'm picking the Bills. Okay. I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> to ride the offensive line, and Rivers bounces back and has a great year yeah. and not a bad year. That was a one-off thing. He's still got something left in the tank. Okay. They surrounded him. I'm going to take the Colts against the Saints, but the Saints win easy. I'm going to take, for the NFC team, it's going to be the New Orleans Saints. So we're, we're on that same page. We're on that same wavelength we're vibing right now. My AFC team, looking. listen, I, I've been adamant about this. I get it. People don't repeat the Super Bowl just because you get figured out. Teams adjust to you. We saw what the Rams and the Patriots at the Super Bowl. Next year, Rams came out, and you know Sean McVay was figured out. But I think with Andy Reid and all his weapons, that entire offense, Brent, is essentially coming back. And guess what? They upgraded. They got more weapons now. Weapons upon weapons upon weapons. And if everyone can stay healthy, if Patrick Mahomes, like you said, he's double-jointed, so he's not going to tear anything. So with that being <laughs> said, I have a hard time seeing any team beat the Kansas City Chiefs because they're so dynamic. Sure, game plan for Travis Kelsey. What's up, Tyreek Hill? Go and take over. Sure, game plan for Tyreek Hill. What's up, Nicole Hardman? Not even sure where you came from in college, but guess what? You're a beast on the Chiefs. Good luck with that. So with that being said, Kansas City Chiefs, too explosive, too dynamic. Back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Can't believe you didn't take Baltimore. All right, Fitz, did you did you actually have a, a prediction of your own? I didn't catch that part. If uh, no, they didn't, I I didn't get to get one in, but I will say, Brent, it like, was your show, we're back man. to the P test for you. Like, I, I think you, we might be back to like, look, Philip Rivers is trash, and the Colts aren't going to make the playoffs. Let me let me just be abundant. The Colts have a better chance of a top ten draft pick than they do with the playoffs because Philip Rivers is going to sabotage their season. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm done with that side of the pick. And, and look, the, the one thing about the Chiefs I will say, and I'll never forget one of the, the guys that works for ESPN said to me, the first time I was standing on the field and I watched Clyde Edward Delaire, he said, you can't, ta- you can't tackle what you can't touch. You can't get your hands on that kid. And you are talking about somebody added to the most dynamic offense in the NFL. The Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. I don't even think it's going to be close. But I'm with all of you guys. I don't know that there's been an unluckier team in the NFL over the last couple of years than the Saints. I think this is the year that that works itself out because, God, it can't happen three times in a row, right? So, to me, the Saints headed back. We get Chiefs, Saints. Uh, but I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm usually not one to praise them. But I think that C.D. Lamb pick to the Cowboys could make that offense really difficult to shut down. So, uh, when you look at talent alone, the Cowboys are one of, if not the most talented teams in the NFL. So, if I'm going to take a sleeper, it's the Cowboys. But I'm taking the uh, the Chiefs over the Saints in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I feel like uh, maybe the Cowboys are built a bit like Kansas City was built yeah. two years ago, where they mm-hmm. couldn't stop anyone. Yeah. And I wonder if the Cowboys will be able to stop anyone. They're just going to have to score a bunch of points. Jason Fitz from ESPN, 1 p.m. until 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. First take, your take. Thanks for stopping by, man. We appreciate it. 
Y'all have a great week. Thank you. All right. Uh, back to the P-test. How many P-tests hey, am I going to have to take? I was going to ask you this question. I, and be honest here. On a daily basis, how many times have you heard the phrase, every, and remind you, on a daily basis, how many times do you hear the phrase, you need to get drug tested? <laughs> uh, it's been about two so, a day. So you maybe start taking the advice and maybe change up some of your takes. Sign. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe that one of you guys didn't go with Baltimore. Like, I thought for sure you were going with Baltimore. Now, listen, Baltimore, I, I was going to make the case that Baltimore has the Kansas City rebound, right? They so I think Kansas too. City, yeah, and they've drafted solid, and they've got a solid football team Good to begin defense. with. They add Calais Campbell. Yeah. I mean, I really should go there, but I was kind of trying to stretch it out. It's way so early. Why not, right? Yeah. Um, but I think they could be the Kansas City of this year. See, I, that's why I liked Kansas City last year. Remember mm-hmm. when we were talking about this yeah. mid, like toward the end of the year? I said, hey, they're catching their stride. They'll learn from their mistakes in the AFC Championship game the year prior. They'll be hungry for it, mm-hmm. and it turns out that way. I, 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 you, you feel that in sports. They knock on the door, and then they get it. Yeah. Well, I think Baltimore's built to be able to do that as well. You did bring up an interesting caveat. Do they figure them out a little bit more because of what Tennessee was able to do? Uh, outside of that, man, I don't know who you can really make that much of a case for. Again, I, I went off the radar. Yeah. But remember now, San Francisco, nobody would have had them in the Super Bowl last year. Correct. Well, John Bachman. Did he? Give John Bachman his props. John Bachman had the 49ers in the Super Bowl. He, didn't they he win like three it. games a year prior? Yeah. Or four games a year yeah, prior? I, I distinctly remember John Bachman calling the 49ers going to the Super Bowl. Let's not give him credit. He's not well, around. I, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, I mean, okay, you could make the case the Bills. Are you really telling me that Josh Allen's going to bring them to the Super Bowl? I'm going to tell you this, though. They play in a division, Brent, where they have a really good chance of winning it. And if the road to the, the playoffs, the road to the Super Bowl goes through Buffalo, I like their chances playing in Buffalo about, as a home field advantage. If, just as much as I put some faith in, in Philip Rivers, yeah. what if Ben Roethlisberger does come back? That defense was dynamite last year. Mm-hmm. Could they? I mean, they went 8-8 eight and eight with, with no quarterback. Correct. But, you know, James Conner has regressed a little bit. Injuries are concerned there. Is Judas Smith-Schuster a true one receiver? We don't even know that yet. Listen, to me, and once again, I'm going to be very adamant about this. With the landscape now of the NFL, we don't know when training camp's going to start. We, we don't know when, you know, if there's going to be a preseason or just going to regular season. So, to me, it it gives an advantage to the teams that are already set to succeed. Yeah, yeah, that's it, gives, it gives advantage to the teams that already have the offenses in place, don't really have a lot of guys coming in where they have to adjust you know, and move things around a little bit. The Kansas City Chiefs are that team, Brent. You know, it's a really good point, okay? And I, and I think the logic lies there, what you're saying. Yeah, and the Colts, ugh, you know, Phillip Rivers. I know, but you, yeah. it's not like you're asking a young quarterback to come in. I sure. mean, you're asking a guy that... Correct, but he, it's, it's going to be different. I, I get it. Okay. But, uh, he can sit back there all day because he's got the best offensive line in football, <laughs> That's probably. Good point. Yeah. But I, I thought about, I think about what you just said, though, because I've heard that a lot. It's like, okay, uh, people that are set are probably going to be in better place. Well, if they're already set, they're already a good football team, so they're probably going to be pretty good to begin with. But I understand the point. Like, you have. Con- uh, continuity with your staff and could that hurt like Cleveland Browns who I think are loaded on offense but do, are they able to implement everything and will it take a little while to click but I also think this in sports when you have a team that is good say it's a playoff game early round playoffs team that's good and a team that's just okay so this team's a two touchdown favorite mm-hmm. and I'm talking like high school football maybe even college football and it rains like a son of a gun mm-hmm. and the field's muddy mm-hmm. Well, what does that do? That usually benefits the team that's the heavy underdog 
because it evens things out a little bit, right? Correct. It's it's kind of the unusual helps the underdog. Yeah. I'm almost wondering, do we get a taste of that at all in the NFL or college football this year yeah. or in sports in general? Maybe if the NBA playoffs go back. It's like, is the unu- does, does the unusual gravitate toward and benefit a team that knows how to pull things together, maybe has is is smart, maybe is a little bit more veteran, but not as talented. In any sport we're talking about, does the unusual help the underdog a little bit pull it off? It'll be really interesting to see who is crowned champions at the end of twenty twenty or going into twenty twenty one based on on that. So I'm gonna say this though. I'm not telling you the Jags are gonna win the Super Bowl, but 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 you get my point. I see where you're coming from. But I'm gonna use this as an example. We've talked about it before on the show. I'm gonna go back here. 2011, NFL lockout, okay? We miss OTAs. Uh, we miss a majority of training camp. We essentially come in late, right? And at the time, we're coming off of a season back in 2010 where we went 8-8, eight and eight, okay? We were just, we were close to going to the close. Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, Super Bowl. Close to going to the playoffs, not Super Bowl. Uh, close to going to the playoffs. So there was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of um, intrigue coming back. Then, then you know, you draft Blaine Gabbert. So there's like, oh, what does this kid got and everything? So to me, all the pieces were in place to be successful. The lockout hits, and keep in mind, we're kind of a young team. The lockout hits, and we come back, man, and once again, we're, we're confident we're going to win a lot of games. What happened, man? It was, yeah. it was a nightmare of the season. So, well, they shouldn't have cut David Garrard after lunch, well, maybe. That I, exactly, helped. that would have helped a lot. But <laughs> with that being said, though, my point, Brent, is you know, was everything really in place that year in Jacksonville? Obviously not, because no. David Garrard got let go, Blaine Gabbert comes in, and the rest is history. So when you talk about teams like, obviously, the Baltimore Ravens, teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, where the pieces are in place, you know, the Saints, everything's in place. All you got to do is just show up, essentially, and, yeah, yeah. and stay healthy, obviously, and stay healthy. So that's why I'm more intrigued to those teams as opposed, like you said, does do the underdog teams have an advantage now? I just, I can't see it. Yeah, I, I would say if you had to pick one or the other, I would say no. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just curious about it, mm-hmm. not, and not just in football. Curious a little bit in college football. I'm, I'm sorry, not just the NFL. I'm curious in the NBA. Again, the Lakers and the Bucks were the teams to beat. But if they do continue on with a playoff, it will feel like an entirely different season in the NBA. Absolutely. It's been a while now. Mm-hmm. I mean, are those teams mentally ready to handle it again? No, Giannis they, is so ready, Brent. You know, I, you just wonder about that stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll be I'll be fascinated to watch who raises the trophies and if it's the favorites or the underdogs coming out of something like this. We don't have a blueprint. I yeah. mean, you bring up a good example. Who won in 2011? Do you remember? Who won that the year? Uh, oh, the Super Bowl. Good call. Um, that would have been the Ravens won in 12. Now, is that the 12 season or is that the 12 on the calendar? Ravens beat the Niners in New Orleans. Lights went out. Yeah, uh, 2011 was well February 6, 2011. So that well that was oh, so the next so, one then. So that have been the Ravens. And then the 49ers. Because the, the, the Packers-Steelers was 2011 okay. in February. Yeah, so that would have been pri- the prior season. Yeah. So then it would have been, oh, I'm sorry, 2012 would have been Patriots-Giants. Oh. Giants okay. won it. All right, so yeah. well, that's interesting. I mean, <laughs> right? both two, th- those you would put in the category, by the way, of teams more like... The teams you're mentioning, the Chiefs, the correct, Saints. Correct. The, oh, yeah. I mean, you had everything teams. in New York, obviously. Now, and remember, the first time the Giants beat the Patriots, I think they had come. They went on that wild card run. Correct. So that was a little bit different. But this Giants team had the Eli's. They thought they were pretty good, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then they ended up beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, anyway, it, it'll be really interesting to see how that impacts uh, the football season um, and whenever it gets played. In fact, one of those things we'll talk about coming up next uh, is – 
what if they push back the season? You know, what about the schedule? What about London? What about all these things? The what ifs? Are we about to get answers to those questions in the next week when the schedule comes out? Plus, we redraft the Jaguars' first five picks. How would it look? We'll get to that on the way here on a Tuesday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. They've been... They've been very positive with Baker. Uh, I can assure you there's nobody who's more focused and determined uh, to put last year behind him and, and take a step forward than him. Um, we are excited about um, you know the environment that we've created around that position and our, around that room in general. Uh, and we think that um, we, we really do expect him to have a, a, a fantastic year. I know Kevin and the staff have done a really nice job with the uh, virtual offseason so far, uh, implementing the new system, and we think that he'll be able to thrive in it this season. Andrew Berry from the Cleveland Browns. If we were playing like a guess who that voice is today, we would be coming up empty. Oh man, yeah. You could give me a thousand. I've never heard that guy before. So yeah, I mean, he's. I don't think many people have. Okay, good. I don't feel as bad. But see, that was. I referred to this earlier in the show. That's a team that kind of. Usually, you hear Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns in the in the draft. Yeah. They they very under the radar. Who cares? Pick with the tackle out of Alabama, Wills, and outside of that. I mean, they kind of feel like they're set. They didn't have a ton of picks in this draft anyway. They're picking in the middle of the pack. So a very unassuming draft for the Cleveland Browns. And they're like, all right, buckle it up. Let's go. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, they got some guy, uh, Grant Delpit. Never heard of him before. Um, (laughs) Jordan Elliott, you know, Jacob Phillips, Harrison Bryant. Harrison Bryant's a guy that I liked a lot. I think you liked him, too, out of Florida Atlantic. Yeah. I mean, obviously a depth thing, but... To me, man, like, yeah, the, the, the piece is already in place um, for the Cleveland Browns, and all they need is a captain, uh, a head coach to right the ship, if you will. But to me, the Cleveland Browns are the prime example, why I believe, and we can make a documentary about it on Netflix, why there is no salary cap in the NFL. Okay, because for whatever reason, the Cleveland Browns go out and get Landry, go out and get Odell Beckham Jr., go out and get Austin Hooper, go out and get a, an offensive tackle. Like, it just... I don't know. I, I I can't put a finger on how the Cleveland Browns make it work. And, and they got like money to still spend if they wanted to. It's insane to me. They had to let Joe Schobert go because of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I, I, I got you. I mean, uh, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's the deal. A few things to get to. We've got some good topics here. Mm-hmm. This has been a topic that's been on my radar for a bit. Somebody asked me weeks ago, and I, I'm sorry, but I, I can't say, remember. Who did you steal this one from? No, nah, no. Nah, somebody who I, I don't remember who asked me this weeks ago. But I was like, all right, I'm going to look into that. In fact, I remember when somebody asked me this, I, I texted someone in the Jags building and asked, and they actually, their response was, we were wondering the same thing. Hmm. And nothing's been figured out. The NFL is clearly not willing to play hypotheticals with anybody right now. They are going on as the season is going on. But there are a lot of things in play. I don't know if you saw, I think it was the Sports Business Journal uh, came out with like October 15th. They could move the season to. They would have no buy before the Super Bowl. Super Bowl moved back to February 28th. All these things in place. Well, listen, if you're a big business and you're a billion-dollar business and you're talking about schedules coming out in the next few months Mm -hmm. uh, that you're actually going to play, I'm I'm not talking about just the schedule coming out. Well, you have to plan these things. I mean, listen, they just lost the draft in Las Vegas. Everybody's losing event all over events all over the place. A lot of travel involved, a lot of people involved in terms of gatherings. So they have to at least have these contingency plans, and rightfully so. 
I don't know what's going to happen there. I, I, I don't disagree with those reports. I don't even know if that would slide the season too much. You start October 15th instead of September whatever. Eh, sure, that makes some sense to me. Uh, I, I would say what's interesting here in town is the schedule's going to come out next week. And I wonder if they make a decision prior to that schedule coming out. And I don't know this, but I wonder if they say we're not doing the international games. We just mm. we just can't. We're not going to factor them in that way because I do mm. think it's important from a booking venues planning. I mean, I know it's May and those games could take place in October in some parts of, of the world. Yeah. But that's still not a ton of time when you're talking about the logistics and travel and everything else that go into these. So I would not be surprised if we find out in the next week and a half before the schedule comes out that those London games are off the table. Again, wow. I don't know. I'm just thinking from the way I would be thinking if I was Goodell and others, and especially here in Jacksonville where you're going to play two games over there. Yeah. And and you can't guarantee that. And And then how easy is it to slide that back to Jacksonville? Well, if you have a game right now that is Florida-Georgia related and it coincides with the Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville, but you're playing on that Sunday in London, well, you don't slide it back to Jacksonville on that date. You can't do that. Correct. So don't you almost have to know in advance of what's going on? So good point. I, I think there's so many of those things, but it's starting to come to fruition a little bit. We're getting into May. We're starting to creep into the summer. You know, the NFL schedule... Listen, it's my life, <laughs> the NFL schedule. Like, yeah. that matters. Like, I don't do anything. I don't pick the Dream 18 golf tournament date. I don't, I don't, I tell, I tell relatives I can't go to your weddings until, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Until that schedule comes out. And they've already pushed it back because yeah. it usually comes out before the draft. So it is going to be really interesting to see what, what takes place in, in that regard and how they, they do this. And then there'll be another wave of it. Once they figure out, can fans go, you know, what do we do that? You know, how do we treat that? There's going to be a lot of elements of this. But I think first things first and the first thing that will go off the table in a heartbeat are the international games just makes sense. I agree with you. And it's something I never even really thought about. So I'm glad that we brought this to light here. My question to you is. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and you miss out on two of those London games, obviously those are big money games or else you'll be going to London in the first place, right? right? So you make a lot of money. Do they try to recoup those in future seasons? Ah, we're all of a sudden now we're talking three? I don't London think so. Game? No. So, I, I, so I, I, they're just going to wash their hands of them and be like, ah, we lost it, it is what it is, listen, and that's it. Business is all over the place. We're losing a lot of money. Sure. Uh, so I just think it's a part of the times. Okay. Uh, I think it's a... I, I don't know if there's penalties involved. Honestly, I haven't got to that point to look under that. Do you have to pay something to Wembley Stadium regardless? Does the NFL, are they on the hook for something like this? Yeah. I don't know. I just don't know how they would be able to say, yeah, we're going to be able to play a game in London. And then I, I think most importantly, it's not changing the game in London necessarily. It's like, okay, well, what about back here when you're usually working around a Florida-Georgia game one way or another? Could they figure out a way? Maybe. But remember, the Jags are set to play two games over there. So that really messes with the schedule, and I, gosh, I hope they don't say, hey, as a backup plan, if we don't play in London, we'll just go down to Orlando and play or something. <sighs> you know, I, yeah, that, that yeah. would just add to the that, mess that yeah. already is. But that's worse than playing in London, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least you can go watch them in Orlando, but man, you know, like it's just Yeah, I, I don't want that to the be face. the contingency yeah, plan, exactly. you know? So, I, I get, this is all, me. this is just total conjecture here. I'm just I'm thinking the way I would be thinking if I was setting the schedule, if I was Commissioner Roger Goodell. 
I would say at this year, given the times and the uncertainty, uh, and, and even though things are starting to open back up, the knowledge that it could come back up again, yeah, you and that's no unpredictable, yep. that I would just say, hey, we're going to not do the international games this year. I think that would be the smart play on the part of the NFL to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic point. I wholeheartedly agree with you, especially because you don't know. You know, the schedule is coming out in a couple of weeks here. You don't know what's going to be happening in October, all right? You don't know the landscape. And if you're the NFL and you're worried about, you know, making that bottom line, making that money, you have to do so in a way where there are guarantees. And it's a guarantee where if the season does start up and, you know, COVID-19, you know, it's kind of flatlined or whatever like that you want to call it. Um, the guarantee that you'd be more successful if you had all the games in the States as opposed to having guys travel across the pond, obviously, and, you know, having risks over there. So I completely agree with you. Um, it's kind of another dynamic. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of excitement when the NFL schedule is released, and now it's going to come with a little more excitement, I think, to see if the Jaguars do play London games or not. Yeah, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see. I also think, you know, the Jags have had soft deadlines on the ticket renewal process, and rightfully so. They've been very sensitive to what's going on, and, and I think most sports teams have, and that's why you have to play it. So, you know, last Friday was the initial deadline. Really, they had already been pushed back once, so yeah. that was the deadline to renew. But uh, they are going to come out with some other initiatives and, and plans and I think be really flexible in this part. But fair question is, okay, even for them mm – -hmm. I would want to know, are we offering our season ticket holders six games or eight games at home? That's a good point. Well, yeah. I guess if you had the preseason, ten games or eight games. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that needs to be determined, and maybe even so by next Thursday on that front. Uh, so I'm interested in the London part of it. Uh, we're not going to talk much about the schedule right now because I think that's a, a better next week conversation. One question for you, though, quick. You know, the, the Green Bay Packer game. Jags playing in Green Bay this year. Do you hope it's going to be uh, – a, like a fall game, or do you want to see the full effect of Green Bay, Wisconsin with a winner, you know, 10 below? If I could sign up for either one, yeah, I'd go with the winner. Okay. All right. Then we're, and I'm not a cold guy, but we're, I, we're going skiing. Then, Brent, let's do yeah, it. I'm not a cold weather guy, All but right. I would say they go, I think, to Lambo every eight years it is, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the, give me the Lambo. The way give it is. you the whole experience, okay? Yeah, cool. Uh, I, I would like that. Now, I'm sure it's beautiful in the fall too, so I'm sure it's awesome. Great. Yeah, um, and and probably a little more comfortable for everybody else, yep. especially if we are allowed to travel. We might be having that. We might be going for oh, a few extra days. Dude, I already told you. I mean, I'm buy my own ticket regardless, so it is what it is, man. Um, so we'll uh, uh, we'll we'll see what happens uh, when the schedule does come out. There are some conversations, and I've heard now conflicting. OK, about whether they're going to front load or not on the divisional games, mm. uh, because those are obvious in case they had to shrink the season. Here's the thing. I don't think they're planning on shrinking a season. I think they're going to play the season. So I think they might even be less concerned about those divisional games and where they're at. Now, if you look at the schedule last couple of years, a lot of the divisional games in the final month, you'll see two or three of those games anyway. Of course. Uh, down the stretch, which makes sense. But what I'm saying is the final six games of the year, I'm not so sure will be divisional games to preserve that just in case. Hmm. I don't think the NFL's planning on that. I, I think they're planning on having a season, and I think they're planning on playing 16 games. Now, whether those games start in September or October, I don't know. Again, these are just all guesses, folks. But mm -hmm. I, I think these are questions being asked on Park Avenue in New York City and, and being discussed, you know, and figuring out, well, it's really not on Park Avenue in New York City because we're all from home. Yeah. But uh, I think they're asking these questions. A couple other topics. The draft next year, if 
it really got bad and we didn't have a football season, which I know nobody wants to think about. But I think it's a fascinating question, that, and this is where I was going with this. People have asked me over the last couple of weeks, what would happen? What's the draft order? Fascinating. What would they do? Mm-hmm. What do you th- What would you suggest? I mean, hey, listen, we're making the rules right now at the NFL offices. This is unprecedented. What do you do? Uh, and and here are the options. You keep the order the same. So the Bengals go back to back years. I don't know what the heck happens with the Jags. They have the Rams pick. Do they go nine and twenty again? Yeah. Or do they get? Do the Rams get that pick back? <laughs> Those poor Rams. Or think <laughs> of the Rams. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know what happens there. Yeah. I don't think that happens. Yeah. I think that is so unlikely to happen yeah. that they. Now, some people have suggested you take the average of the one loss record the last five years and you do the order that way. Oh, like, like seems a little the, complicated. Yeah, but you have to like where the Jaguars are sitting there. Well, of yeah. course. What's up, Trevor? I genuinely think you would have a draft lottery. Oh. What else other way? What way can you do it? Listen, I mean, th- there's no perfect way. I, I do not like the lottery format, though, because essentially you're leaving it up to what? Some ping pong balls to determine the future of the NFL for the, maybe the next decade or so? Well, nobody played games. I, I mean, I get you there, man. Honestly, if it was up to... If it was up to me and there's no other resort and we had to resort to something where it's like, all right, well, there's no, you know, there's no season, there's no college football season, I would probably go with where the teams picked last year. And I, really? I would have to. Cause I, can, I hate that idea. I can't co-sign on, on a lottery ball thing because I guarantee that's going to happen and Trevor Lawrence is going to New England. Some way, somehow, <laughs> it'll get rigged and Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback for the New England Patriots for the next decade and then I have to deal with Trevor Lawrence winning Super Bowl. Between that and the commercials, you're really showcasing how soft you can be at times. Unbelievable, These man. last few days. You, you, you leave it up to ping pong balls to decide the future of the NFL. Yeah, because no, now, man, hey, just not as how much as you think of that, the Jags no, could end up with the number one and two pick in the draft. Brent, you know dang well with the Jaguars' luck, they're not getting the one and two uh, picks of the draft with these ping pong balls. You know, it's going to be like 16 and then like 28. Seriously, I want to, th- you've got to, okay, for a second here, you got to take the Vans off. All right. Okay, what's up? I mean, they're, they're literally falling off as we speak. They so, are. I yeah. mean, that's embarrassing. It's <laughs> bad, right? <laughs> you've got to hide the tattoos. Okay. Put on a suit. Oh, here, here comes ESPN corporate show Austin Lynn. <laughs> Gee golly, Brent, let's get it. What's up, man? What's we're, up? We're on a my private jet okay. up to New York, and we're meeting with Goodell. Okay. And we're saying handshake, practice handshake. Hey, Raj. Yep. Oh, you, you call him Raj? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm gonna bring him. Is some, it like that? I'm gonna bring him some more Eminem's. Is too. it like that? Okay, fun. Raj. What's up, Raj? Let's be uh, smart about this now. Yeah. This is the most fair way to do it. Mm. That's what you have to ask yourself. Take the New England Patriot angst and and soft nature of of that thinking out of the way. Yep. Uh, what's more fair than that? I mean, wh- how could you reward? I'm not thinking of the Jags. I'm seriously thinking of Cincinnati. How sure. could you reward Cincinnati yeah. for back to back years to have the number one pick? How could you do that? Because they've sucked for the past five years. To me, Brent, what's worse? The Bengals getting the first pick of the draft next year or the Patriots getting the first pick of the draft next year? D- depending on the season, you know, w- w- it, what's it, worse to you? 
it, in all honesty, <laughs> I've already laid a house bet down on the fact that the Patriots aren't going to be very good. They're okay. going to probably have a top okay, five pick so anyway. Take, so. take the Patriots out of it then. Brent, what's worse, the Bengals getting the first pick of the draft or the Baltimore Ravens getting the first pick of the draft? I understand what you're saying, man. I get it. But in the NFL, let's let's listen. In the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens, knock on wood here, I'm not inviting this to happen. Could they could lose Lamar Jackson week one of the season. Oh, that's gonna be a big knock because he's still my fantasy quarterback, maybe. Their season goes down the crapper. Sure. And they're picking fourth in the draft anyway. That's the NFL. Mm. Listen, listen. Yeah, Kansas City finished two and fourteen and had the number one pick and had six Pro Bowlers on their team back in two thousand and fourteen, I think, or yeah. thirteen or twelve, whatever it was. Eric Fisher. They had yeah, so it would have been thirteen. Uh, the two thousand thirteen draft, 13. so twelve season. No, it was the thirteenth yeah. season. No, because Fisher was picked in the thirteen draft. So it was Jokel. Okay, I'm sorry. So yeah, two thousand twelve so season. Twelve season. Yeah, you're right. They you're had right. Okay. six. Pro Bowlers and finished two and fourteen. Sure, you would have told me if you had six Pro Bowlers and I didn't give you the record. Say Kansas City can't pick first. Oh, so do you think they were tanking for Eric Fisher? No, I'm just saying it's the nature of the NFL. Mm. Anything can happen. Mm. The 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 Patriots, believe it or not, even though all of everybody else thinks Bill Belichick will pull some miracle out of his hat, even though he doesn't have Tom Brady and their roster on offense is pitiful, yeah. that they will be like this great team anyway. They can be three and thirteen and end up with the first, second, third, sixth pick. They can. I don't, I don't like it, Brent. And listen, and this is what other fair way is there to do it? To, to go by the record of last season. Listen, ask the New York Knicks how the lottery's worked out for them the past I don't know decade. Okay, the New York Knicks have been an atrocious franchise. They're one of the worst run sports teams ever. Okay, and this past year they had hope. Okay, they had hope that they finished with a horrible record. That you know what, we're gonna put our 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 faith and our stock in these lottery balls, and hopefully, when the number one spot is picked, it says Zion Williamson, New York Knicks. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. They got R.J. Barrett. They couldn't even get John Morant. They got the third pick of the NBA draft. They weren't rewarded for having one of the worst records for being one of the worst franchises in NBA. So with that being said, I don't like just leaving it up to, you know, luck and faith because that's not sports. All right. Sports revolves skill. It revolves fairness to sit here and say the New England Patriots possibly get a number one pick because you left it up to chance. That's not fair to me. It's more fair to reward a team like the Bengals, who is it's going to take one more. It's going to take one more than one draft for them to be relevant. It's going to take multiple drafts. So then reward them, man. Let's get some more balance. Have two first or have two, you know, number one picks uh, for two years in Cincinnati Bengals and see what they do with it. Take the suit off, get off my plane. I don't think that's working. Well, I wasn't uh, wearing a suit anyway, so uh, I'm not wearing a suit to beat Roger Goodell. By the way, much. so here are some responses to this earlier in the day. Wouldn't they simply duplicate the order of this draft minus compensatory picks? Right. Uh, and I just don't see it. Lottery sucks. Glad NFL doesn't have that. Okay. The Jags would end up with a last pick guaranteed. Who is being drafted is the real question. Um, we don't know yet. They should go by Vegas Super Bowl odds. Looks like the Jags get the number one pick. <laughs> Very good. Josh bad. says, are the Rams losing 14 games next season? Otherwise, I don't think we'll be in position to draft Trevor Lawrence. Are we going to another playoffs? Nah, but I see another 5-6 win season. Jacksonville has never drafted first overall. I don't see it next year either. Uh, sorry, I read that, but it didn't really pertain to my question. John V says, two lotteries to make it more fair. One lottery for the teams who missed the playoffs. Second lottery for the playoff teams. I'm glad you brought that up, John. What? 
So basically what he's saying is a lottery to determine the 12 playoff teams and what order they go in. And you take the other, uh, what would that be, 20 teams in the NFL, and you do a lottery for them. So so what your point is, the Baltimore Ravens don't have a chance to get the number one pick. The best pick they could get is 21. Gotcha. I'm better. I like that. So this is where I was going down. Yeah. One of the the most off-the-radar moves of the NFL calendar is a thing called the supplemental draft. Mm -hmm. And the supplemental draft can be a little bit confusing, but it's essentially for players who didn't declare for the NFL draft in January by January and aren't eligible for the April draft. Well, they can petition the NCAA at some point because they changed their mind. They had a different circumstance, whatever it might be to go into this supplemental draft. And Mm -hmm. I think it's the NCAA or maybe it's the NFL that rules on it. Um, I I think it's the NCAA they have to petition. I'll double check on that. But either way, very few people do it. Mm-hmm. And very few times it's even used. And what happens is in that supplemental draft, say you pick, like the Arizona Cardinals, I'll give you the example. Uh, they, they used it last year. The Arizona Cardinals used the supplemental draft in July of last year on a safety out of Washington State. And now I can't find him. Jalen <laughs> Thomas, I think it is. Okay. Does that make sense? His safety uh, place for Arizona. Yeah. They had... They had a fifth-round supplemental pick on him. So they have to give up their fifth. They would have had another fifth-round pick in the 2020 draft. Correct. But they give that up to get him in that supplemental draft. Does that make Correct. sense? Didn't that happen with a dude from Ohio, Ohio State, State? The running back. Maurice yes. Corrett? Yes. Yeah. Um, or, it, it either tried to happen or, or did happen in yeah, hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a good example of it. Yeah. Uh, there think, are very yeah, few first-round picks that have ever been used. In fact, there have been eight players chosen as first-rounders via the supplemental draft. The most recent was Duke's Dave Brown by the Giants back in 1992. That's how often this thing is used. Seriously. Wow. Jalen Thompson, by the way, fifth-rounder last year, Arizona. Yeah. Uh, there's not a Josh Gordon was in this draft back in 2012. Oh, second yeah. rounder for the Cleveland Browns. Was Maurice Corrett in it or not? Or was I wrong saying that? You know, I remember him being a part, but I don't think he ever did get in. Oh, it was like a comeback. I forgot how that whole thing went down. By the way, Terrell Pryor was in this draft. Okay. Also, uh, that was the Oakland Raiders, not the Cleveland Browns. He ended up playing for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying. Ahmad Brooks was in this hmm. for Cincinnati in 2006. Uh, Jawan Cherry for the New England Patriots. How about that? Uh, okay, let's see. Let's see. Anybody else? Anybody else? Dave Brown. I'm trying to look at the first rounder. Bobby Humphrey back in 1989. First rounder for the Denver Broncos. Brian Bosworth. I shouldn't have known that. Didn't realize Bosworth was in the supplemental draft in the first round. Huh. And uh, Bernie Kosar. Huh. First round. Supplemental. I didn't realize that had been used on those kind of players, quite honestly. I hadn't dug that deep on it. But anyway, the supplemental draft, a lot of what they do is they essentially take the teams that did that finish six wins or less and they put them in a category. Then they take the non-playoff teams that had more than six wins, put them in a category, and then they take the playoff teams and put them in a category. And that's how they randomly, in a lottery, choose who goes first in the supplemental draft. It's not based on the draft order. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then all this other stuff has to take place for the supplemental draft. Sounds like, like the NBA, though, a little bit, right? A little bit more like the NBA. Yeah. So and you know how I feel about that? that system. Sure can. Which actually would be a lottery type system, yep. but it would benefit the teams that weren't so good mm-hmm. and not benefit the teams that were very good. Yep. I think that would be the most likely type of situation we would get in a 2021 draft that did not have a season prior. I'm going to tell you right now, if Raul Judell steps down from his position and you apply for it, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop that. <laughs> okay? Because I, I worked too hard for four years, Brent. I, I represent the Shield to the best of my abilities, and I'll be damned if you try to take over the NFL and leave the future of the NFL to ping pong balls and the chance. You cannot I, do it. I don't understand how you don't like that. You can't though. do it, man. You, no. I'm sorry, but you can't do that, Brent. You're, you're not going to be commissioner, so throw away, throw away that resume right now. By the way, Eric Locke coming in big right here. 2005 NHL draft had to do a lottery because there was no 2004 season. Bingo! How's that NHL doing right now? We're redrafting the Jaguars How, first five picks doing right when now? we come back. Join us, ESPN 690. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.